Palmer Bear on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmer Bear. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Hello and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you are listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. Good morning to you, Redmond. Good morning, Patrick. And uh, we just want to apologise for oh, a bit of last week. That uh, It's been a bad we had a, couple of weeks. We had a shocker, didn't we? You uh, got a sore... I decided to have leg thing surgery, which took five days basically <laughs> in and out of Melbourne, and then you went down, came like down a, with oh, gastro. Mate, I was crook as a dog. Uh, I'm not sure what's worse. I actually think I prefer I'd, the ankle surgery. I'm not even joking. It was, yeah, my, <laughs> I, you, I reckon you got painkillers for that. Well, I needed painkillers <laughs> for something else because it was a very long few days. It was actually through our house, and it just spreads widely, doesn't it? Like it, it does. It, well, it had been right throughout um, metropolitan Melbourne. A whole lot of childcare centres had gone down, and then. Yeah. Um, I did. I didn't. I did chuckle a little bit when you said, "I, I just can't. I can't move." <laughs> I was down for the count because you were you were obviously waiting for me for when I when I would get yeah. my ankle surgery, and then I was hopefully getting out Thursday. And I thought, oh, I'll you know record Thursday afternoon. I was still high from whatever they'd given me <laughs> for the painkillers for the, the surgery. You were high, and I was low. I was. <laughs> I was low. <laughs> I was literally, uh, Kari, my partner, got it before, with the day before me, and she slept on the toilet for, from 4 a.m. to 11 a.m. Like, it's, that's it's where just she slept. The worst. <laughs> there's, there's just nothing worse. And now, you can see how the coronavirus uh, escalated so quickly with uh, when having people at people's houses, because, like, for instance, it was obvious, so not, it still is highly contagious, and you can see people, like, how quick the gastro went through from the people that we got it off into into the people that went into our house and how quickly it travelled through us. So you can sort of now put a bit of perspective on what could have actually happened if we didn't have the restrictions in, in place throughout the last sort of 12 months, Pat. Can, can we stop talking about gastro? I'm, trust me, I'm more than happy to move on to something else. Let's go. Let's get to a bit of fishing and uh, outdoor news. Now, the 300 Series Land Cruiser Redmond has been spied for the first time um, during the week and basically without any sort of camouflage. So normally when new cars are released, we see them totally covered by sort of different stickering and it's really difficult to make out what the final product is going to be. Now, this has been the opposite with with the Land Cruiser, which would and it has been spoken about for the last five years that there was going to be a new 300 series because the 200 series has been um, has been around for nearly 14 years. So it's good to see. I'm not sure it's necessarily everyone's cup of tea. There's been a fair bit of online feedback around the boxy design. It's ugly. Well, that's been the feedback. But (laughs) one thing that you know Land Cruiser do is record sales because people love them. And there's no greater example of the 200 series and the crazy sales prices that continue to be asked and continue to be paid for the 200 series because we all know the V8 is is disappearing from from the um, from the expected new lineup, which has driven sales prices of secondhand cars through the roof. And quite often, we've seen dealerships that have stock of the V8s selling them in their used car yard with you know 10,000 Ks for. 
15 grand more than the RRP for a brand new car. So it's been quite, quite extraordinary. And they are a fantastic car. Like you can see They're why amazing. they are a great car. Yep. The engines in them are last forever. They just don't die. Yeah. So yep. you can understand in a way, I don't know if it's worth 15 or 20K more in my opinion, but. Well, I, that's the thing that I don't get. If the technology improves all the time. And Toyota last week spoke about they're going to be, they'll, by 2030, there will be a, um electric vehicle version, an EV version of their Land Cruiser and Hilux by 2030. So clearly Toyota, as one of the biggest car manufacturers in the world, um, have all the tech and they've decided that this will be part of the offering. So I don't know why you'd be scrambling to buy an engine that's going to be replaced by what I would always assume would be something better. An upgrade. <laughs> yeah, an upgrade. So... I don't know, Patrick. I've had a few uh, software updates on my iPhone that have gone south. (laughs) (laughs) A couple of things that have played up in in in, in my time of having an iPhone. So you never know if your software update might not work. Uh, You've got some news around a sail drone. Yeah, a sail drone which is used for research to map the bottom and numerous other scientific reasons. Uh, This in particular one was actually sent out to research crew numbers using advanced sounding equipment, probably just not your standard Garmin that you and I have or the average punter <laughs> has in their boat, Patrick. Maybe a little bit more on top of that. But uh, they lost contact with it uh, in 2019, and then it's washed up in Port Welshpool uh, on the beach there, fully covered in barnacles and whatnot. And they were launched from New Zealand. They were. They were launched from New Zealand. So three years later, it's found washed up. Yep, and they're 450 kilo and seven metres in length. So... That there is pretty fascinating. You never know what you're ever going to come across in the ocean, do you? Like no. When you're travelling you're traveling up the New South Wales coast chasing marlin, you never know what you're going to see, whether it's sea life or if it's going to be a sail drone wash up on a beach. Speaking of not knowing what you're going to find, a 271 kilo bluefin tuna mm. off Coffs Harbour caught by longliners Extraordinary find, extraordinary catch. Well, I actually had this in to talk about last week, but... We weren't here last week, because <laughs> so, we're, we're bringing the late news at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Sandra Sully with the late news. It's been a 271 kilo bluefin tuna caught off Coffs Harbour. It's uh, fascinating to see, because it's not just a blue, a standard bluefin tuna for uh, here in Australia, bottom of southern bluefin tuna basically travel, uh, they say they spawn in Java, and they, they travel around the bottom parts of um uh, sorry, bottom parts of or Western Australia, right down yep. to through South Australia into where we are in here in Victoria, then right up to well, talk uh, about the New Japan South Wales as well. coast. Yeah, and they around, all breeding around there as well. One species that we don't encounter is this tuna here. It's a northern uh, Pacific bluefin tuna. So the northern tunas, if you watch Wicked Tuna, I was going to say these are the ones that are like monstrous, seven thousand dollars a fish or something. Yeah, yeah. massive, massive yeah. money, and they, um, they, they. This fish here is just not common. I don't know. I'd, I'd have to check. I don't think as if there has, there's not many ever caught in Australia, ever. Yeah. So this is like a, f- a first. So it's fascinating to see our ocean currents doing some really funny things. Uh, and people will say, oh, things are changing and whatnot. I don't know if it is. The lock, the long liners, uh, the long liners have caught this and they've been long lining for a lot of years. So it's not like, yeah. it's just a rare catch, it's a rare I would catch. say. So, yeah. yep. And to be so big, how big was it? 270 odd? 271 270 kilos. kilos. So that's a big, big fish. So uh, Northern Pacific, it is different to our Southern and our Southern bluefin tuna don't, grow that big as such so you think about how many barrel bluefin tuna will get caught each year which 
not a stupid amount of number, but there's enough to know uh, a lot of data. And Mike, my biggest is 152 kilo, yeah, and, which is a monster. And that's a big fish. I think the biggest is up with 170 kilo, and that's one every five years. So, so adding a, adding another hundred kilos on top of that, that is a, that's another fish. That's a monster of the deep. It is, and it's going to pull some line if you get on a rod. Uh, speaking of tuna, Pat, the yellowfin tuna, it's great to see. This time, uh, well, I don't think it was this time last year because we're well and truly in the lockdown, but the year before, uh, the yellowfin fished very, very, very good. Yep. And it, it, there's some seriously good signs of these yellowfin that are going to get better and better. And with, with the yellowfin, it's obviously uh, current related. So you can look at your rip charts and use that to determine where the fish are going to be. But they are... Pretty big fish. They're up to that eighty kilo mark. They'll be odd bigger and a few smaller, but they're they're hard to harder to catch. So they they they're a lot of the time they're on souries, and when they're chasing souries, they're jumping out of the water, and that's that. You'll see the tuna. You you probably saw photos on social media during the week of tuna breaching out of the water, a meter out of the water, chasing these souries. And how how I would like to target them if up there is you control your lures, and you're going to have no dramas trolling your lures. But what I'd be trying to do is get in front of the school finch and. Uh, Patrick taking a little photo, cheeky video there. Get in front of the school of fish and get a popper, Pat, a popper, a GT popper. So um, if you can get, sorry, I just said a GT popper. They actually are used for GTs, Pat, but if you can get a popper or a hard body in front of these fish and create a big splash with that popper, use the cup of it, and that there is going to, uh, oh, and stick baits. Stick baits work really well too, and you're going to have your best chance, I think, in getting a few yellowfin tuna for the day. But one thing that happens in New South Wales, and this does not happen uh, on the bluefin down here in Victoria. And it happens in New South Wales in the bluefin run as well. And I admit there are different ways of these way these fish feed. And what they do is, when you find the tuna, you want to keep the tuna there. So quite often on the radio, you'll hear the chat, it'll be like, they'll say numbers, it'll be 38, 40, or 144, 22, whatever it is, the middle numbers. They'll actually tell you where the fish are. Because the more boats that come, more easy way to easier to locate the mass school, and they can then cube the bluefin into the water and keep them under your boat. And you can have 25, 30 boats all in the space of a 50 meter footy arc, all in there throwing cubes of uh, pillies in and catching the bluefin. Where down here, it doesn't work like that. It's more of a secret such, get your bluefin, because if other boats come, you don't catch them. You're you're throwing things at other boats (laughs) to keep them away. You're You're throwing throwing pilchards at them. (laughs) Go away. So it's a different fish. You want to a fish? No, no, we're just on the bottom, mate. It's... um, the bottom's moving fast, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Swordfish. The, um, yeah, oh, swordfish. This is going to be... We're going to see uh, the swordfish captures, as well as the barrel bluefins out of Portland, which are fishing really well. well. They're starting to get better, and we we spoke about it a few weeks ago. It's only a matter of days before people go down there and actually do it, yep. and they've started to do it. Not a heap of fish there yet. Uh, we just had that full moon go by, which could have played a role in that, as it does, but in the next couple of weeks, it's going to be consistent. But the swordfish, a lot of people are going to be utilising the days, these autumn days that we had, I think it was Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, even into Saturday, 20 degrees weather, and you've got still, the high pressure system sitting on top of us, and there's just no wind, no wind at all. And the reason I'm talking about this sport is because the swordfish are so far out. I was going to say, for you, where do you think the best place in Australia, or not necessarily best, but the easiest place to to try and target them? Because it's one thing to catch, it's another thing to go fish, but it's another thing to fish 80 kilometres offshore, particularly Plus. when you're when you're fishing in a trailer boat. Yep. And you and you're driving up and around the country, whether it's New South Wales, Victoria, where have you? It's it's different when you're chasing 
fish in in seriously deep water. Oh, I don't I don't think there's an easy option for them. Uh, hence why they're not really uh, caught all year round. They might or be fished for all year round. They're not yep. fished. They're not fished hard. Like if you go in Port Phillip Bay tomorrow. I guarantee you there'll be 250 boats chasing whiting just in Port Phillip Bay. Yeah. You go on the swords, you need the weather to be right. You, like When I say weather to be right, you need to have near no wind. And to have no wind 100 kilometres offshore and to know what it's actually going to be doing out there is another aspect of it as well. So you need these high-pressure systems that are really, really important so you can get out wide. But And like I said before, there's no easy place. You've got Malakuta, you've got Lakes Entrance, you've got Eden. There's all those places that you can go. Marlow, there's so many places. But no matter what you do with these swordfish, you need a reliable boat, you need a reliable mm. engine, you need to have or your engines. service update engines. Yeah, <laughs> engines would be nice having two. I've only got one. It's a long way out. Long way on the way back in if you, something does go wrong. But it's uh, it's a fan, they're the fascinating fish to catch. Uh, I was actually going to go do it at the end of the week this week, but I got caught up uh, with a couple of things. But it's something that I'm going to be doing in a couple of weeks, in a few weeks. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to have a crack at trying to get a big swordfish because there's, I think they are the ultimate fish. Now, speaking of the ultimate fish, obviously having a boat that changes the way that you do things compared to, um, you know, just fishing off the beach or just fishing off a pier. However, it came across our Real Adventures desk during the week of uh, a few different people using boats for things other than actually <laughs> fishing. And and we had a few photos sent in of people actually transporting wood and it sort of got us talking during the week, Redmond, around what have you used your boat for other than fishing? Mm. And you had an answer straight away. You are like, yeah, I moved my house last week. <laughs> I, did, I did. When I moved house, I legit used that to transport my shed. I did <laughs> all my dive tanks, all my boxes in the shed. Uh, I didn't get. We had one fridge in there, uh, a few other bits and pieces. Just loaded the boat. It was a trailer. Well, it is a trailer. Well, it is a trailer. It's just it's a little bit a few holes in the ground. It's a it's a bit sparklier <laughs> and it's a bit more expensive than a usual trailer. That's my only thing. It's cheaper than going hire one. I had it sitting there. I use it every now and then when I'm working in the like in the shed or something, and the kids are outside. As long as there's no hooks in there, I put it in the boat. And no, I can't get it's out. So it's, a, it's a great it's way so to keep it. It's so funny you say that. On Thursday last, oh, Wednesday last week, I headed offshore with Zaino, a good friend of mine. And I said to Zane, "I'm going to jump in the boat and do. Do you mind come over a bit early and we'll do some rigging?" And because I couldn't rig because I had the kid, and he, I said, to, I chucked. I go, hold on a minute. He can't get out of the boat. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I turned my back and I got my little door at the back. He's hanging over the back because he dropped his little sultanas down the back. And he's over that back trying to get himself over the back of the thing, trying to get over this door. So I had to actually put a thing to stop him from getting to the door. A little lock on the transom door. <laughs> he thought it was funny. He had this sultana container and he just dropped it over. I'd go get it. He'd go back there, drop it back over and I'd get it. Like It went for bloody 20 I got all my rigs done. <laughs> We've got a massive show of real adventures coming your way now. Your week in fishing will be straight post the break. I promise you that. Along with the social club, uh, all aboard, all our usual segments, this is Real Adventures. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. You're listening to Real Adventures. Your week in fishing, Redmond. It's been a pretty solid one for you. You've caught some great fish right throughout the week. And one of the biggest pike I have just about ever seen. Yeah, it's, uh, that pike was enormous. I uh, caught it for a metre and it was 98, I think it was. You weren't obviously fishing for giant pike. Not giant. You... I was targeting pike. I was trying to get bait for the gummy session. Yep. And I have caught a fair few big ones, but not that big. But So why caught... do you like pike, 
pike as a bait? Because obviously you often talk about parrotfish being a really good bait, obviously Australian salmon. Um, yep. Why change it up or is it just it's what you felt Accessibility. like at the time? Accessibility. It's just I could get it. So what I mean by that is I had a couple of salmon in the freezer. I had a couple of yakkers in the freezer, but I wanted it fresh on the day for gummies. Uh, I always say frozen bait will work and it does work. But I just come out the back of Bowen Heads there and there's some reefs there and I just trawled some laser just these little atomic laser, um, little metal lures. Yep. And I just trawled them at about three, three, two to three knots, quite slow. Uh, and I just trawl around the back of the reef and I pick up hundreds of pike. If you can catch as many as you want, I think they're 10 per person. I think we caught about five or six for bait just for the evening. And the reason I don't like freezing them, they do hold pretty well in the freezer, but they're so accessible that I don't need to do that. So yep. I, I'm yep. confident each time that I go out that I can pick off three, four, five, six of them in 10, 15 minutes. Yep. So it doesn't take long to get them as long as you can, as quick as you can catch them sort of thing when you're out there. They are oily bait. They hold well and they are, the, the gummies just really, really like them. Holding well, you mean the actual flesh itself once you hook it up holds well. Yeah, it doesn't fall apart. Uh, so you can actually run fillet baits on them in the ocean and get away with it. And you know that I don't like to do that, but salmon tends to, get eaten quite quick because it is so bloody. Where pike's more of your oily bait. Yep. Uh, it works. It, it's Well, the biggest gummy I've ever caught come on a pike chunk. So that there says it all. So the, it's, a, it's a really good bait. Like you said before, though, rats. I caught my rats off the bottom. I also caught a lot of yakkers too. I had my burly going on the surface. I caught a heap of fresh yakkers. And it's funny you say that out of all that fresh bait, I got it on the frozen salmon. <laughs> I, landed, I landed two school sharks during the week. Uh, oh, this session, and it was beautiful night. It was on Wednesday night, and I headed out, and I was just in close. I was only in about eighteen meters of water off the sort of down towards Torquay, and anchored up nice and shallow, and bridled the boat up. So what I mean by that, bridled the boat to favour. I had a sour swim with the tide going out, so the tide was trying to push towards Lawn Way, and uh, I had to bridle the boat. So jumped up the front, hooked the bridle on, got my angle right. Because what the what the reason I talk about this is uh, because if I had a sat just on anchor the natural wind and that ocean doesn't have a lot of tide, I oar around and your lines will drag back and forward and you're a lot of slack line. But the biggest problem is, is snags. So you, because you're on fishing reef, you think about it, if you were to throw, say for instance, you've got a heap of rocks outside and you were to cast your line out and just start dragging it, at some point it's going to get stuck. Yep. So it's the same thing as when you're fishing. So I want to stop that from happening. So I bridle up so it stops the swing of the boat. I sit side onto it. But one problem her having a bridle on the side of your tide is that you've also then got to be able to get that fish in without getting wrapped around your bridle and your anchor. Because yeah, you are yep. side on. Traditionally, that would be the back of your boat as such. So we actually had the, the second school shark scream underneath the bridle and the anchor straight up the front of the boat. And I got Zane to go up through the cabin and I passed him my rod up to the front. And then it come back and it actually went that far. It went over the top of the anchor, which is a bit of a screws with your head a bit because you're like, is it under, is it over? And you're trying to yeah, quickly work yep. it out. So come over the top of it and come to the side. But what I did was straight away, as soon as that fish went up there, I undid the bridle and threw it in the water. So I went back to my natural position. So I knew exactly where the anchor was and I had less rope in the water. And I didn't just throw the bridle rope in the water. I let us fall back to it and then I pulled the bridle as tight as I could without pulling the boat around and just tied it to the side of the boat so it was out of the water. And then we landed that fish. We didn't panic, but it works really well bridling up in the ocean. And also for snapper in the bay, if you want to favour one side rather than sit just uh, sit with your oaring around, it does stop you from swinging. So bridling is a terrific way to uh, help assist your fishing. If you want a little bit more information on bridling, make sure you head to saltguide.com.au. Aaron's done videos right throughout how to do it. 
and why it's so beneficial as he's just spoken to now. Uh, you got on the sh- school sharks. Yep. They're a beautiful eating fish. So much cleaner than gummy shark. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And I loaded you up with some fillets too during the weekend. I'm, I don't think you've eaten it yet, but when you do, let me know what you think because it, I find that they're cleaner because uh, I, I believe when I've cleaned them, I've had cooter in them. I've had pinkies in them. I've had octopus in them. I've had squid in them. Not often do I get that crabs. crabs yeah, feeding crust, on the bottom yeah, of with, the... Yep, which yep. Gen, which feeding, I guess it sounds dumb because they say fish that eat shellfish are the cleanest ones, but I find that these, it must be just, they must be more active and they pull a lot harder than a gummy. So they must be just a lot more active and it keeps their flesh and you can see in the flesh the metallic colour through flushes it. the system. Yeah, I reckon yep. it flushes it through, and uh, they are it's bloody bloody sensational fish to eat. It's uh, you'll really enjoy it, and just a light batter, one cup of uh, self raising, half a cup of rice flour, and a nice cold beer, Patrick. That's your little tip there. Is that a you, Sam Goodwin? That is a Sam Goodwin, and you should yep. and don't put it on a plate with a serviette on it because it will just soak in the oil. Get a baking tray and sit it. This is my tip. Get a baking tray and sit it above a tray so the it doesn't so sit in the doesn't fat. pull in it yeah yep. and it crash and it cr- uh, crisps up so nice and you bite it and it's ten times better than a fish and chip piece <laughs> that works well and the whiting went through it well during the week considering that stupid bloody moon it was a huge moon it was amazing to see oh mate yep. it was massive yep. and it just it really stuffed those tides up but we had that swell and it, it it's just the whiting it just must be that thick like I'm gonna head out shortly and I'm confident that I'll get them bloody quick with these tides so they, they fished well the calamari considerably went well uh, considerably went considerably well over that moon too so that's good for anyone in the bay and the barrel bluefin and you know me with the moons I hate the moon for basically nearly everything and those barrels disappeared at that Portland Port Mac we did not see a report and you got to think. Oh, was no one out there? There was boats out there. We had marvellous weather. The weather was yep. couldn't have been better. It's just the full moon. I reckon they feed overnight. So let's see what happens this week, and we'll report again on Saturday with uh, what's to come with the, on the barrel side of it. That's your week in fishing. It's time for the Social Club, where we take your questions from social media. If you've got a question for Aaron or I, make sure you shoot it in for your chance to win a real brand fishing top and hat. We're giving away one every single week uh, throughout the next Month, maybe, maybe, maybe two months, Fredman. We might just keep pumping them out. Um, <laughs> first question is from William Red. You got onto some amazing school sharks during the week. Any secrets to not getting bitten off by a school shark? So quite often when you, know, you talk about shark fishing, Redman, you have traces. Obviously, there's the balance between fish can sometimes see a trace versus when you fish for gummy, gummy sharks, you're more likely to use a high-grade mono rather than needing to use traces. What do you use for school sharks? Well, this is how good I am as a fisherman. I went out there to catch gummy sharks. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, it's uh, it's school sharks. So what Down here, school sharks aren't prolific. So they're not an easy species to catch. And quite often when you... Or an easy species to say, I'm going to go spend four hours on school sharks. You can't just do that. And... You, you can because I did it during the week. Did you see? <laughs> no, it's, uh, so Portland and um, Port McDonald and the likes. There's so many more school sharks in those deeper waters. That's Seventy meters. They love fishing out there, and they get some beautiful school sharks on those reefs. But see, when you go out there, you be mindful that you will get school sharks. We're here. I don't go out there going. I'm going to get a school shark today. I might get a school shark. I might get them five times in a row. That I might not get them for another fifty days. Yeah. So like, it's not something that you get every day out here. I set up on one of the reefs, I get gummies, and I set up there, 
And I was fishing the exact same way. So I was running 80-pound leader, uh, which traditionally gets bit off quite a lot on the school sharks. Yeah. But it's about uh, setting the hooks properly and using the right hooks. Now, the reason... I'm not going to go chase a school shark and put down a wire trace because quite often you're probably not going to hook it on a wire trace. They've got real sensitive nose. They will pick up that wire, I would say. Where your bronzies, even some sharks at times, like threshers, they don't like wire trace either. They can, they like, they don't like it. They, they're yep. not a ferocious shark as such. So where the mako comes in and smashes it and screams off, they don't think yep, threshers and school, picky. yeah, a yep. bit more picky. So how you want to hook your schoolies is number one is circle hooks. Running, I run seven o's. Uh, you can run eight o gamma gatsu circles, and they are by far. I'd have to say the seven o gamma gatsu circle. Next to the worm hook are my two favourite hooks. Yeah. I catch a lot of fish on these hooks, and I've never they never break on me. And if, if you do get one that's going to break, quite often it's, you think about it. If I put a hook in a vice and pushed it sideways, it's going to break like on side to side. It's going to crunch. So if a fish crunches it, they've got quite strong mouth. That's the only way you're ever going to break these. They don't break. They just yep. they're an unbelievable hook. And the reason that I mean the reason I say setting your hooks properly is you got to, a lot of people. Uh, tend to strike and you're one of these people you love your striking you're active fishing and I can see why because when a rod goes your natural instinct is just to go bang and rip it and you want to let them pick the bait up in the rod holder and you'll see during the week and um, I noticed that on your social media you really let it run I just sat in the seat going Zane there's something on that rod and it really like we're talking five six uh, seconds uh, that it was going for if I was fishing by myself I would have let that run the whole time why I why I cleared all the other rods I went and did my bridle and then got my net out and then I would have picked that rod up as long as the line was pulling out. Yep. If it stops pulling out, I quickly run to the rod, get the tension back on. Yep. But you've got to let them hook up themselves with the circles and just let them go. Just let them go and wind. And that's the best way. And the circles, what they do is they roll into the side so they don't gut. So a J hook would tend to hook a fish in its gut as such. Yep. And it's far better for the fish. Or the yep. And also the chance of getting bit off. If you've got your hook in the side of the jaw, the chances of that line, other than when it turns rubbing through the mouth, is so much is, is half, probably more than half than having a J hook where it's hooked somewhere in its actual mouth because the line has to go through its teeth then, yeah. and the teeth are like needles. They were, I actually took a jaw out for Zane of one of them. Zane Zane collecting the jaws when we keep them, and he goes, "Oh, can I keep a school shark jaw?" I thought, "Oh, yeah, if you want one." And I cut it out, and it's amazing of how sharp they are. Needle, they are so razor sharp. Another thing with them too is uh, your leader length because they are. I hope that the schoolies, when I do get them, they take the straight up and down rigs. And we, we've spoken about this numerous times, my rigs. It's got a short leader. It's a Pat Noster rig. And it's got a short leader with double the line because you loop it actually over the hook itself. So that also assists with not actually going through the 80-pound leader. So that there is basically how to land a schoolie. Our next question. No, we've run out of time, Redmond. Oh, I've taken too much time. You've taken too much time. So Into depth, though. That, that wraps up the social club. If you've got a question for Aaron or I, send it into us. Uh, and if it features and we award you our Real Brand Prize of the Week, you'll get yourself a Real Brand fishing shirt and hat. And this week it goes to Will. So send us a direct message, Will, and we'll send it out to you straight away. Plenty more Real Adventures after the break. All aboard for Dometic. Everything you need for adventures, big or small. Mobile living made easy. Dometic. Dometic. 
Time for all aboard for Dometic. Everything you need for adventures, big or small. Dometic Mobile Living made easy. Our special guest this morning is Josh Hammersley. He's not only a phenomenal fisherman, Redmond, but he's also um, involved with the Jailhouse Grill in Lonnie. Beautiful Launceston, a beautiful part of the world. Good morning, Josh. Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on the show this morning. Now, um, for those that are familiar with your work, you are and have some of the, the great videos, and I, and I love it because you've included your daughters in this as well. And, and one that we are particularly fond of is a three-way hookup on massive barrels um, that must have been just one of the all-time great adventures. But we love the fact that you get your girls into fishing Josh, it must be an important part of your enjoyment. Yeah, look, it certainly is, mate. It's been a, a motivating uh, thing for me over the last sort of 15 years now. Uh, basically, you know, sort of, I guess for what's predominantly a male-orientated um, uh, sport or pastime, it's, uh, it's been good to, you know, just sort of get, get a bit out there to show that that doesn't necessarily need to be the case at all. It's, uh, now, before we'll chat a bit about the jailhouse grill a little later, but talk to us about your boat. You've got a beautiful Stabycraft 795. How long have you ha- had it for, the electronics and the motors yeah. that you're running on it? Yeah, no worries. Uh, yeah, look, so I've had it for just on seven years now. Um, and yeah, as you mentioned, uh, we've got a, a steakhouse here in Hotchkiss Fortunately, uh, yeah, I've been able to spend a bit of time on the water with my family. It means I've been able to do quite a bit of it. So in the past seven years, I think put something like you know, five and a half thousand hours on it. So it's quite uh, quite a lot for rec- recreational usage. But uh, yeah, it's yeah, great thing. Swing one fifty Suzuki outboard, and yeah, pretty much checked out with the sim rig here. So uh, yeah, thoroughly in- enjoyed every one of those hours, mate. To be honest, so let's <laughs> uh. Let's uh, talk a little bit before we talk about the three-way hookup uh, from last week, Pat. Well, a couple of weeks ago, sorry, uh, Chloe. I met Chloe at an event here in Victoria, a women's in fishing event, actually. And Chloe, which is uh, Josh's daughter. How old's Chloe now, actually, Josh? Uh, Chloe's twenty now, oh, so yeah, it's uh, time flies. Well, Chloe's caught some magnificent fish, and uh, she, I think, uh, at the same age as what uh, Molly is now, who landed, was part of that three-way hookup, Pat, a few weeks ago. Chloe also, years ago, landed a barrel bluefin tuna as well? Yeah, look, she did. She was 13 when she decided that uh, she, she'd earn her stripes and wanted to go down and, and tackle the big one. So uh, that one went 121 kilos. So uh, today, the whole Still her, her biggest tuna. Uh, we've been fortunate enough now on the boat to stumble across, you know, some getting up around 150 or, you know, high 140s. So uh, there's certainly been some, some big fish along the way. But yeah, as you mentioned, with the, the triple hookup, probably 10 or 12 days ago, not that I'm counting, <laughs> um, we, we played in the day, you know, we'd, uh, we'd trailed all day and it hadn't been a lot of activity, uh, mainly trying to focus on, on the bigger fish. Uh, they don't possibly not not here 12 months of the year, so when they are, you sort of try and make the most of that. And, uh, yeah, it was just basically on dark, and uh, they come up to feed, you know, the tide had just started to back off, and the, the bait fish had all come up. And I actually went live on my own, like on my own personal Facebook page, just, you know, friends and family and stuff that are stuck at work and, and doing all the, the adulting <laughs> things. Uh, just, yeah, sort of get in on, this, on the action a bit, but uh, 
yeah, I mean, look what, what sort of unraveled from there was something that, yeah, certainly never expected, but uh, we'll be forever thankful for you, you know. We sort of, as we, we trolled past, we're on the southern edge of the Hippolyte Rock, uh, which is a rock formation, so five six miles out from Eagle Hawk Neck. Uh, yeah, and as we've sort of trolled along the, the southern edge of it, the barrel popped up with some seals, dolphins and stuff as well, and turned and came straight across our thread and... I sort of I got a bit overly excited as we do, but uh, yeah, sort of as, as the the rigger went off, I'm like yes, you know, and then double, and then triple, and then oh, you know what? <laughs> because they all swam across each other, and we had seven lines in the water at the time, and there's only four of us on board, so yeah, I, unfortunately, I was the only one not on on a rock. So <laughs> someone's got to be in charge of the boat. <laughs> oh yeah, there wasn't. Uh, <laughs> There wasn't much um, organisation going on at that point. We were obviously trying to go under and over and under and over and back under again and, and get back onto the wheel. So, uh, but yeah, fortunately, one of the hooks, never thought I'd hear myself say that, but fortunately, one of the, the fish pulled the hook pretty quickly. So that then gave us uh, two, two so I could get back on the wheel. And uh, yeah, sort of short, probably 25, 30 minute fight later, we, we had uh, two on deck. So certainly a, a, a day that I'll never forget, that's for sure. Well, take us through the preparation because Launceston uh, down to Eagle Hawk, you got to travel down there, which is obviously a bit of time. And I seen a couple of messages to your daughter on your social media that said, "What was it? One in the morning? You said you're on the way to pick her up." <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. I uh, yeah, it's, it's about a three hour tow from from Launceston, uh, but look, worth worth every second. I mean, it's uh, it's one of those things. You know, I mean, you guys have been in Victoria, I'm sure you know. <laughs> You know, all too well the travel. So, and look, keeping in mind that he's literally one end of the state to, to the other, obviously uh, right up the north and, and Eagle Hawk next, uh, far down south. So, um, yeah, it is a bit of a, a, bit of a trek. But, um, yeah, I've sort of let, left my boat down there now. So, uh, Jerry Nichols is a local charter operator down there and kind enough to lend me a, a patch of his grass for this time of year. And, uh, yeah, so no, it uh, won't, won't be as far next time anyway. So, <laughs> Something you uh, you said a bit earlier was the barrels aren't there all year round. Now's obviously a fantastic yep. time to ch- to target these fish. What are the months that you would recommend for someone to target fish? Uh, for instance, that you caught yeah. last week, big barrel tuna. Yeah, they they seem to turn up sort of late March, early April, uh, and and seem to hang around for a couple of months now. I mean, basically, if you follow what happens, you know, for them and that sort of thing, we seem to be a couple of weeks either side of that. Um, but one thing we have noticed over the last, you know, few years is uh, a late run of barrels that seem to come through, you know, around October. Um, and for some reason or another, they're predominantly bigger, you know. We've probably an average fish at that time of year is around, you know, 130, 140 kilos, the, the big ones, that is. So seem to come through with, with the whales uh, as they migrate. And, uh, I mean, what we probably don't really know, I guess, is if it's been a thing all along or if it's just now because people have sort of, uh, work that out and, and are actually still targeting at that time. So there seems to be typically a, a couple of runs of, of them per year. You spoke about the travel, Josh. Clearly one of the um, the easier factors with the the seven five nine that you've got is that you can take it right around the state. You can chase the fish. Do you reckon that's about as big as you can go when it comes to trailable boats and to be able to comfortably tow it to wherever you want to chase fish right around the state? Yeah, look, 100%. I couldn't have summed it up much better myself. I think the, the 
seams are quite wide, you know, like 2.2 metres or something, 2.3. It's, it's every bit as big as, as you want to be towing, I reckon, especially on our roads. Like, it's uh, once you get on the coastal roads and stuff, they're, uh, you know, quite narrow. Um, but, yeah, look, it, it's certainly very diverse, and that's the beauty with it. You know, sort of got friends that have, have got bigger boats that stay in the water and stuff, and, you know, look, to be able to fish in the northern half of the state today and, and then the southern half tomorrow, which look, we do quite often. Uh, yeah, there's no no substitute, mate. It's been the perfect all-round boat for me, and, uh, you know, certainly even with the, with the kids too, it's uh, completely... Well, I'm living, living proof that it's idiot-proof. It's, uh, you know, you're, you're pointed to where you want to go and it's never, never let us down yet. So, uh, yeah, great, great boat. I, I couldn't talk to Davey stuff any, any higher. So. Now, talk to us about Jailhouse Grill. It's obviously been a really tough um, 12 months for, for anyone involved in, in pubs. That's been clear to see with, with how COVID's been. Um, give us a plug. Talk to us about it. What's your favourite dish on the menu because we're looking forward to sampling uh, some of the cuisine. Yeah, look, I this is a, uh, we're talking about fishing. I've got to say it uh, <laughs> certainly isn't my favourite thing on the, on the menu. Uh, yeah, mate, you can't go past it. a scotch fillet, mate, medium rare, rare. Uh, yeah, beautiful. But cook on an open uh, charcoal wood fire grill, uh, so a very traditional sort of style. Uh, the business itself has been going for over 20 years now, so... As you mentioned, yeah, look, COVID was, uh, yeah, certainly a, a trying time. Um, you know, to be on the Sunday night, uh, you know, just finishing the roster up for the, for the following week, only to, to have the avenues that we needed to shut down the following day it was, uh, look, it was devastating. But one thing that we can be sure of, we're not, we're all in the same boat with that. So, mm. uh, but look, come back, come back from COVID really well. So now we're starting to see some tourists around again. It's sort of see that by the amount of people that drive the wrong way up our one-way streets. It's, uh, <laughs> it's quite a, an interesting thing, so you guys may struggle trying to navigate around, but uh, yeah, no, look, it's uh, come back really well, um, you know, to the point that we're actually probably doing uh, bigger numbers at the moment than, than what we did, uh, what we've done in, in comparison years, so uh, you certainly can't complain, mate. It's um, yeah, good to get back on track and, and start to get out and about and do some fishing again. For more info on Jailhouse Grill, head to jailhousegrill.com.au. Josh, thank you so much for coming on Real Adventures this morning and talking about your passion that clearly is fishing and especially just talking about getting the girls into fishing. I think it's, a, it's an important part of any family to really incorporate and have everyone involved in, in your own passions and, and hopefully make it their own and the girls seem like they absolutely love it. Yeah, look, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. And, yeah, you couldn't sum that up any better. It's uh, yeah, no substitute for time on the water. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah, definitely get, get the kids out, get them involved, male, female. doesn't make a difference at all. <laughs> yeah, they go well. So, Well, Remen, we've got food set. We've got uh, a boat and a skipper set so accommodation the boat's big uh, enough <laughs> we're ready to go we'll see you in a, we'll see you in a couple of months time josh <laughs> no worries guys i look forward to it thanks Thank, for the call thanks mate reds review for club marine insure your boat with club marine australia's leading provider of boat insurance call and ask for a pds to see if this insurance is right for you time for reds review now if you don't like I guess, looking after your catch, then don't uh, listen to this because it might come across a bit on the aggressive side, but it's something that you need. Uh, and it's a, it's a bat. It's a fish bat in your boat. Yeah. And it looks, helps look after 
your fish. Now, what I mean by that is you can get a Wilson aluminium 18-inch fish bat from Anaconda for $30. And this is not brutal. This is the most humane way in order to dispatch your fish. It's far better than just letting it Slowly die on the ground. Slight, uh, exactly right. Um, starve of, of oxygen um, on the ground. Yep. Well, I know, but I'd much rather be knocked out if I was put in that situation, to tell you the honest truth, than a fish bat. You need a fish bat because it works extremely well for the tuna. I use it on the tuna to, knock them, to stop them from... Every time they go bang, 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 bang on the yep. ground, what they do is they're bruising themselves, they're damaging themselves, they're bleeding. So as soon as the fish comes in, you give it a knock, as quick as you can, get your photo, then you, you do... You look after your fish, you, you spike it, you bleed it and whatnot. All the time that gut it. bronze whale had destroyed my... Yeah, um, your old north The bank. inside of my boat. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you might need a bigger bat for that. But <laughs> no. uh, during, the, uh, during the week, obviously, I landed some beautiful you need a grain. You need a grey nickels for that. <laughs> <laughs> Not a grey nickels. I don't play crude anymore. That might venture, that might venture into the boat. But uh, I had caught those beautiful school sharks during the week. And the first thing that I did is, you net them coming into the boat. I used to have a bit of a film of it coming into the boat. And then... Straight away, get it out of the net as quick as you can, or even in the net, yep. you give it a knock on the head to knock it out so you can deal with it and start to bleed it. So Red's review this week is the Wilson Aluminium Fish Bat. They're about $30 of Anaconda, and I'm sure you'll find uh, find something along the lines in another store uh, to help you out so you can look after your fish properly. That was Red's review for Club Marine. Need insurance for your boat or jet ski? Get a quote from Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. Call or search Club Marine to find out more. Ask for a PDS to see if this insurance is right for you. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for Red's Tip. One of the most important things, Patrick, to catch fish is getting your anchoring correct. You need to get your anchoring into positions, whether it's on the edge of a reef or whether it's uh, in front of a sand hole for a widening, whatever it is. There's no point just throwing your anchoring and just hoping for the best. Well, so often people just drift because either they're too nervous to anchor, yep. they can't be bothered to anchor. Or they don't have a winch. <laughs> or every time they do anchor, they end up, 400 metres away from where they're actually hoping to fish and they just end up wasting their time. So basically, I'm going to today take you through exactly how to end up in the the right spot. Now, there's two examples today. First one is at Queenscliff. So what I mean by that is tidal waters. We'll talk about tidal water. So for instance, the tide's going out, it's running north to south as such. You're going to come in and approach this from a south to north. So you're moving from the south to the north. You approach it and what you do is you as you're dropping the anchor, you actually get the boat moving. So you don't just drop the anchor and put the boat in neutral because what happens is other elements come into play. If you've got your boat slightly to the side as you drop that anchor, the wind then is going to grab you. And if it's 15 knots, 10, 15 knots, it's going to push you potentially 10 to 15 metres by the time you drop it in six or eight metres of water and you're going to miss that spot. And this is really particularly important if you're fishing in finicky positions where you need to be on the edge of the reef. Especially somewhere like uh, down, down in Cottage by the Sea, for instance, where we're fishing specific sand holes. And if you miss those sand holes, some of the best whiting fishing, some of our biggest whiting fish here, fishing in Victoria are in these sand holes. But if you miss that and you fall with the wind 10 metres, but then Bob, who anchors properly next to you, is only 10, 15 metres from you, lands up in that hole, he's going to have a day out and all you're going to catch is reef fish. Yep. You're going to catch nothing. So as you approach... Line the marker. So don't worry about driving over the spot. Everyone goes, oh, don't drive over where you fish. Well, 
I've caught a fair few widen in my time, Patrick, and I tell you what, I do this every time. So You dr- talk about me and head wobble. <laughs> There's no one with greater wobble. Just giving examples. <laughs> <laughs> Approach it up. Come from south to north, like I said. Get your line right. As, and as you drop the anchor, your momentum's going forward, and as you drop it, tap it into reverse and go exactly back down that same way. Now, as you're doing that, when you on your screen, we've all got touch screens pretty much these days, and if you don't, probably time to upgrade. Basically, touch your screen and on the mark that you want to stop on. So if you want to stop on that mark, touch it on your screen as you go over it. Like I said, you've come up to that mark, you want to go past it to anchor, touch it on your screen, go past it, and a little counter will come up in the corner, and it will tell you how many metres you are from it. And if you're in, say, six to eight metres, six metres water, say, for whiting, go about 25 metres, because... You go 25, you're tapping it in reverse, like I said before, to keep that momentum going in the straight line. You drop your anchor, your anchor falls, hits, you fall back, and then by the time you fall 15, 20 metres of rope, you'll pretty much be smack bang exactly where you need to be. Don't just drop the anchor and stop, and don't go stupid in reverse like I see some people doing. I can't process You don't need to do do 15 knots in reverse. You just need to keep that momentum shift going back that way. Way. So that there is Red's tip on how to anchor so you can go out there and catch uh, a few more fish. And it's now time for the flying gaff. And uh, you look, you're, you're hitting one of your partners here, Patrick, pretty oh, hard, I and think. I, and I love him. And <laughs> I love him. But this isn't Ford Australia's problem. I think this is Ford Global's problem because Ford has officially um, thrown the towel in when it comes to the Ford Bronco 4x4 coming to Australia. And it's shattered me because I think it's the greatest type of car looking or short wheelbase. Remember the Bronco? No. Most people know it because OJ Simpson's driving it down the whatever highway he was. I, when did, he was. I watched a documentary on him, so I know who you're talking about. So it's not coming to Australia, and it's really disappointed me. I think it's a. it's been such a great project I could to picture watch. you driving one of them around. Absolutely. <laughs> you can't fit the kids in the car. Perfect. <laughs> Can you so tell? the gaff this week goes to Ford Global for not letting Australians get their hands on the incredible... Ford Bronco. It's shattering. But I suppose we've got the Ford Ranger, so I'm pretty happy with that. <laughs> Thanks for joining us this morning on Real Adventures. We promise we'll be back next week. No sickness or... No, we'll be good. Good health. We'll, Sore foots. We will be here. We'll see you then. It's time to go fishing. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.